today's Fit for Purpose is with Laura Hinton, the Chief People Officer of PwC. It's actually the firm where my own career in finance and accounting began. And we talk about Laura's journey from a council house in the East End of London to now in her role at PwC, making sure that more people like her and like me can get into one of the biggest and most well-known companies in the world. Laura, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Obviously, it's been a very big year for everybody with COVID. Tell us a little bit about how you've held up through the lockdown and beyond, but also what it's meant for PwC, which is obviously a huge company, having to suddenly tilt to having everybody working from home. Well, hi, Justin, and thank you for the opportunity to be with you today. It's uh, it's great to be part of this podcast. And yeah, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? As we think about the, the roller coaster of the last six, seven, getting on for eight months now. Um, without a doubt, highs and lows, a lot has changed over the last few months. We've learned a huge amount about, I think, all of us around our, ourselves personally about how we work um, what works what doesn't in this new remote world Um, I think at PwC we were um, lucky to some extent in terms of we had made a significant investment in technology um, back in 2016 so we had everybody set up in terms of remote working everybody had a laptop mobile phone and video meetings were part of our everyday um, culture and experience Um, on average, probably 10 to 15 people, percent of people were working from home at any given time. But obviously, that's really different from 22,000 people working yes. from home, literally overnight. Um, and I remember it really, really well. It was a, a Monday evening in terms of making that difficult decision ahead of formal lockdown. But when the government advice uh, pivoted to work from home, if you can, Um, asking all of our people to now be based at home um, unless it was absolutely critical that they were in the office and that was just a handful of people um, at the time so everybody was set up but whether whether it would stand up when everyone was working um, at home at the same time was was very uncertain but thankfully the tech worked well Um, we had 14,000 people actually live um, on a live stream um, around mental health the, the day after um, everybody started mm-hmm. working from home. Um, and that, that was a fascinating experience. Partly I was chairing that. I was really nervous about the tech and whether it would stand up. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> um, and actually an, an unforeseen benefit, as it turned out, is that we had, as I said, 22,000 people, um, three quarters of whom were watching this live stream at home. Um, but mo- many with friends, family, um, flatmates who all tuned in. So we had a much bigger audience than we were anticipating. Um, but really helping people to get their heads around what this new world meant, both from a, a medical perspective, obviously, back then, as is still true now, people had many questions and concerns about, about health, specifically related to COVID, but also mental health um, and fears of isolation, being away from friends, family uh, for potentially an extended period of time. Um, so we were really able to, to help and inform people really early on um, in lockdown and set the tone, I think, really early that we were very clear it was a people-led approach. Um, you know, we're a partnership, so our partners 
uh, would shoulder the financial burden as much as possible, would protect jobs, um, and really had sort of very people-centric um, strategy around how we would navigate COVID. And so it hasn't been easy, and there have been some bumps in the road, and there will continue to be. Um, but actually, I think on the whole, the, the experience has been as positive as it could be, notwithstanding really challenging circumstances. And I think it's been incredibly tough, but a lot of businesses have found that in a sense, they've been able to do something literally overnight that in any other time, had you asked them to do, probably would have taken months, maybe years. So it has been absolutely incredible. But for you, Laura, I mean, obviously your chief people officer at PwC uh, for the UK business, that's obviously a very senior position. Tell us a little bit about the journey that you've had within, within the company and coming into accounting and, you know, your sense of what, when you were at school, was this in your mind as the career path for you? Yeah, I mean, a really interesting question. And if I go, I guess, right back to, to school days, in, in reality, I didn't know that chief people officers existed. I don't think they really, they really <laughs> did back then, but whatever the equivalent would have been a personnel director or HR director. Um, and I certainly didn't know that organisations such as PwC existed. So um, I grew up in the East End of London, pretty humble beginnings, went to a, you know, a, a pretty nondescript comprehensive school, um, lived in a, a council house and, and had very low, I guess, aspirations because I, you know, it's, it's very hard to aspire to something you don't know exists. Um, mm -hmm. You know, nothing particularly stood out in terms of school days, didn't particularly enjoy school, wasn't particularly focused. Um, and my school had 80% um, of the students that spoke English as an additional language. Um, so actually, I, I stood out um, in my school, um, almost kind of in the reverse of what you might expect. But I certainly was in the in the minority group. Um, I just kind of kept my head below the radar, didn't necessarily think too much about the future, if I'm, if I'm honest. But I think as is the case with many um, people with kind of who come from that kind of disadvantaged background, you know, I had a fantastic teacher um, that really took me under his wing, um, you know, suggested I might want to think about doing A-levels, going on to university. Nobody in my family had ever, had ever done that. Um, but you know, to cut a, a long story short, that that is the path that I ended up um, taking. Um, I qualified as an accountant, not with PwC actually. I joined uh, BDO, so a smaller firm. Mm -hmm. um, and a story that I I like to tell now is, I actually applied uh, as a graduate, sort of in the milk round, to join um, a PwC and a couple of mm -hmm. other the big six, I think it was then. Mm -hmm. I didn't even get an interview. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was uh, so the process needed to be improved I guess well that's the I'm on a mission now so I think there is something yeah, about my profile my background um, didn't particularly fit the profile of people that would be you know joining joining those firms um, you know, of course there were exceptions and I know you were you were one of them um, that's true yeah, yeah so but but it wasn't for me in terms of a, a big four um, start to my career, but um, as I said, I qualified as an accountant, absolutely loved the business world, um, but fascinated by people, um, leadership, development, um, culture, performance, all of those topics. So ended up actually setting up an HR consulting practice for, uh, for BDO and making partner 
there um, before jumping to PwC 15 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm an HR consultant. It's what I do with clients, um, helping them to, to really think about some of their tricky people, culture and performance issues. Um, and alongside that, over the last 15 years, I've had a number of uh, leadership roles within PwC as well and have been the chief people officer. This is um, into my fifth year now. And I think it's, you know, it's been a combination of um, a lot of hard work, um, some fantastic support and sponsorship from people within the organization and externally, mm-hmm. um, and a bit of luck. I think it's a combination of those three things that have come together. But, you know, as a, as a child, I would never have imagined I'd be doing <laughs> this kind of job. It would have been totally alien. Um, and in the nicest possible way, I think, you know, most members of my family now would have no real idea what I do um, for a job. And it is quite difficult um, to articulate, but having, I guess, the privilege of the position that I'm in now, I am absolutely determined to use it for, for good and to make the path of those people coming up behind me, particularly from a social mobility perspective, it's a real passion, but, you know, gender diversity more broadly, Um, make sure that we as a firm and as a profession are as accessible as we possibly can be Um, you know that we're really focused on the best talent that's out there um, not limited to you know limiting someone's potential based on where they were born so a real passion and ability I guess to use this position now and I think that um, I mean I, I think we met we met a number of years ago actually whilst I was at the DfE and doing work on social mobility and it really struck me just how passionate you were about this um, and how you were genuinely bringing it into the role that you were doing. So, Laura, tell us a little bit about how that's changed, what PwC does, and, and in a sense that how you see the company changing in order to make sure it really is open to that next generation of highly talented people that you can bring into the business as long as you obviously don't have a recruitment process etc that that ends up screening them out tell us about some of the the social mobility work that you've done yeah and, and we've, we've certainly we've done a, a huge amount i i would say we're still experimenting some things have worked mm-hmm. really well um you know some things have worked less well have not necessarily had the impact um that we would have hoped so um, it's definitely work in progress and I certainly don't sit here um, thinking that we have mm. all of the answers because I, I don't think we do. And that's why I'm so keen to work with other businesses, other organisations to really understand who's doing what, because I, I genuinely believe if we learn from each other, um, we make you know, we make the world a better place in terms of employability and mm. skills um, for everybody. And that, that's got to be a good uh, a good thing so for, for business as a whole. Um, in terms of some of the specific things that we've done, we have um, just been far more inclusive in terms of those people that we um, engage with, those people that we, we want to attract uh, to come and work within PwC. Um, we got rid of UCAS, so A-level points requirements, um, many years ago now in terms of because we know that A-levels are very much linked to background and parents' income and uh, uh, and job status rather than potential. So um, there are no A-level requirements um, in terms of any of our graduate programs at all now. 
um, we've expanded the number of universities that mm -hmm. we spend time with. So last year we recruited from over 100 different universities and higher education um, establishments so that we are mm -hmm. far, we're, we're getting uh, contact with people who are just from different backgrounds, cultures, experiences, um, who wouldn't necessarily have ever thought about um, PwC as somewhere where they would want to work. Uh, we've changed all of our recruitment processes, so um, a lot around kind of technology enabled, gamified, far more a kind of two way process around learning about us as an organisation, who we are, our purpose, our values, what we stand for. Um, there are many different pathways into the firm now. Of course, we have our kind of ACA kind of accounting pathway, but we have consulting, actuarial tax um, deals, many, many different aspects. So. Uh, really sharing the different perspectives of different parts of the firm so that people can make informed choices around where they might want to where they and might want to join us and there's also non-graduate recruitment isn't there I think sort of you branched out from maybe that more conventional graduate pathway yes we have so the the, the profile um, of those people that join us as kind of entry level is very different now um, that it would have been five years ago so roughly 2,000 people a year join us as their first job. Um, about 1300 of those are graduates um, and the balance are apprentices um, uh, or higher apprentices or A-level students who come mm -hmm. directly into the business and we, tr we train them um, from 18. So it's a different, and, and that, you know, there's, there's clearly a social mobility um, angle there. Um, there's a diversity perspective. We're far uh, more able to recruit diverse candidates if we're recruiting directly rather than um, you know, people having already been filtered out as they've gone through yes. a university system. Um, so more accessible, um, trying harder to um, raise awareness of what we stand for and who we are. There's still more to go on that front. I still think um, people to some extent have a perception of what it's like to work at PwC and uh, when they come in and they join us, they wander around one of our buildings, which is, which is why it's challenging at the moment. They get a real feel for who we are and what we stand mm. for. And, and generally are really pleasantly surprised. The, the stuffy image of the you know, people in suits that come in at eight and leave at 10 o'clock at night and um, don't have a personality is, uh, <laughs> that was never true, but it is definitely not true now. It's a really diverse, um, engaging place to be but the more we can encourage people to engage with us come in look around find out um, the better and I want to come on to the new office that you opened probably a couple of years ago now in Bradford but in relation to COVID Laura and and almost the the social mobility challenge because obviously it makes a lot of those gaps that we've all been trying to work on the ground to, to close it makes them wider how will that change and what what's PwC thinking about in relation to how it changes what you do do you do more do you do it differently what are the initial thoughts around that yeah it's a really interesting challenge I think obviously we had to change a huge amount this year gone by because we had no choice in terms of remote working mm -hmm. and um, offices that were um, well they they were open for, certainly since the beginning of June, but obviously we were limited in terms of numbers of people that could be in offices. Mm -hmm. um, what we're grappling with at the moment is having turned everything virtual this year. And actually the feedback was incredibly positive. We would normally have had 500 people coming in to do work experience in the summer. Uh, mm -hmm. And we ring fence half of those places for students from disadvantaged backgrounds. 
um, so we couldn't bring people into offices for work experience. So actually we, we made that virtual um, and opened it up to the five and a half thousand people that had applied for the program. Okay. So much greater reach, far more accessible, nobody kind of having to travel. And uh, so positive on the upside and the feedback was, um, has been really positive. But the question around, um, I think that that format works better for some people than it does for others. Okay. Uh, so it's very, it was very efficient, it's very effective, greater reach, but I don't think it will have had the impact um, at a personal level, particularly on those students from a disadvantaged background, mm-hmm. um, as an in-person come into the office experience would have had. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that we're thinking about. How do we still make sure we've got increased reach and accessibility? But, and, and you'll be more familiar with this research than I am, I'm sure, but there's definitely research out there that says the number of touch points, contact points yes. um, with students from disadvantaged backgrounds into an office building, into a different environment, that's the thing that makes the difference. So mm-hmm. we're busy redesigning um, our work experience and internship programs for next year um, with that in mind. So not to not to lose, I think, something that's pretty special around our accessibility uh, from a social mobility perspective, but to maintain um, some of the reach and the volume that we were able to achieve this year. And it may be that um, one of the keys to all of this is then making sure that the real experiences are absolutely prioritised for those young people that they can make the most difference for, maybe from less privileged backgrounds, and then the the wider virtual experience, which is, you say, Laura, actually, you know, what's interesting is you've reached a lot more people with it, Mm. you know, can be for perhaps a wider audience that is probably in the rest of their lives more likely to get those sorts of experiences anyway. And I'm, I'm sure that over time, these different sorts of models will steadily, steadily emerge. Tell us a bit about the work in Bradford, because obviously, Um, Whilst I was at the DfE, I set up the Bradford Opportunity Area. And one of the things I was really keen to see happen was businesses getting involved. So to the extent, as you said right at the beginning of this, Laura, that part of this is raising aspiration and really giving young people a sense of the opportunities. Um, I really wanted businesses involved in all the opportunity areas. And of course, in the Bradford one, though, PwC has really played a pivotal role, I think it's fair to say. So tell us a little bit about the office that you've opened there and in a sense, how it works with the social mobility lens in a way that PwC has, has put on its operations. Yeah, I mean, Bradford, as you know, was a, it was an entirely new model for us. It was a, you know, a, mm-hmm. a Greenfield site, so we, we didn't have any presence in Bradford um, at all. Um, and it was very much led in terms of identifying that location from you know, a social mobility lens, it was mm-hmm. an opportunity area um, and the need to you know, let, let's make a difference. And rather than um, making it you know, a thin veneer across a, a wide region, let's, let's pick a location and let's really invest. Let's invest in the community, let's build relationships, um, let's build that kind of ecosystem, if you like, a, mm-hmm. around our office and make it somewhere that, that people aspire to be, but potentially people that would never have considered um, a career at, at PwC. So the profile of, so we've got just over 100 people um, based in Bradford now. We've got plans to double that within the next six months and they are well on track. Mm-hmm. Um, our entry requirements for our Bradford team are different to our broader 
um, PwC requirements. So although interestingly, uh, those people that are applying are very highly qualified, um, so higher or certainly in line with our kind of our more standard entry mm -hmm. requirements, but that isn't um, uh, a necessity at all. A very diverse um, population, very rich ethnicity mix, um, a great gender mix, different backgrounds and, and perspectives. Um, but it's really interesting. There's something, it sounds slightly um, extreme, but kind of magical about our Bradford office. Those people that are based there and work there are so passionate about the opportunity that they've been given. They're so hungry to learn, to develop, to do more. Um, and see that as an opportunity into PwC and once they're, once they're within the firm can see all of the opportunities that are open to them. Um, it's a bit of a double-edged sword if I'm honest because we have been you know, very successful in Bradford. We've been attracting some brilliant people to join us. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Other organisations have followed suit. Um, so around the area that we're located there are a number of certainly more big organisations than they were. Right. Um, so they're they're attracting our people <laughs> to leave our <laughs> so seat and join them. Compete for the talent. We are having to compete, which is a good thing. That um, so our attrition levels are actually higher in Bradford than they are elsewhere because actually I think aspiration is now higher, opportunities right. are greater, um, and of course that that wasn't necessarily the the plan from our perspective, but it goes to show that. You know the, the power of PwC as a brand and an organisation. When we get things right, it can have that multiplier effect, um, and that's the thing that really matters. So our impact on Bradford um, as a city, from an employment perspective, I think has been actually much greater than just our organisation alone, because we've um, had an impact more broadly. So that's that's definitely a positive thing. I think it's really interesting because one of the things that came out of the Bradford Opportunity Area was really that a lot of people stayed locally for family reasons, all sorts of reasons, actually. Mm. So it, in some cases, a community's problem on social mobility is that it's having all these talented people, they go through the school system and then they leave. Bradford was in a very different place when you looked at the stats. Actually, it was taking all of its young people through the school system. A lot of them were, for example, getting to the local university, but then they stayed. Yeah. And it's a good example of where what you really needed to add into the mix was stronger, higher quality opportunities for them as they left the education system. And what's really interesting is that the PwC entry into Bradford then started to be a fix for that problem and led other employers to understand that there was a huge amount of developed untapped talent in Bradford. And I think the, the link with the opportunity area is really interesting to me because, of course, Bradford does have its challenges around improving education. But actually, because of this ecosystem, as, as you put it, Laura, that you've helped stimulate, actually, the Bradford opportunity area rate of increase in reading, writing and maths is 16 percent above the national average rate of increase in those areas. So it's genuinely having a transformative effect over time. And I think being able to so clearly demonstrate the improved opportunities at a local level for, for people coming out of that local education system, that's when you've really joined everything up. So it is really exciting. You know, different communities have different opportunity challenges in a way, but, but 
it does seem to me that through the PwC experience and investment, you really have highlighted how, you know, there is a, there is a fix to some of these communities that is absolutely led by business. So it's fantastic stuff. And it's great that you're now obviously also looking at how you can grow the office there in terms of, you know, the other areas where you'd like to see PwC look at what more it can do on social mobility. We talked about just how challenging COVID is. Where do you think you go next with the whole, the whole agenda, Laura, as, as chief people officer, in a sense, you talked about being on a journey. Where, where's the journey head in the future? Um, well, as you know, I mean, PwC, you know, we are a, we're, a, we're a data driven organisation. We love a bit of data and we love doing some analysis. And um, I think, you know, whilst there's no room to be complacent, we have done a really good job at the kind of entry level roles, attracting people to PwC, raising awareness and ambition and bringing, you know, a much more diverse um, profile of, of people into the firm. What, where we need to focus next is absolutely making sure that not only do they, you know, are they in the firm, they're progressing through the firm. So mm-hmm. uh, we've had a big push in the last year in terms of collecting um, background, social background data for all of our people. Um, so for the last few years, anybody that has joined us, uh, we've been collecting, you know, did free school meals, where their family income support, kind of the school that they went to. But we've got a huge population that joined prior to that where we don't have the data. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have been really encouraging um, people to complete that data, to, you know, to be transparent in terms of their background so that we can track how people are progressing through the organisation. We've got pretty good rates. I think we've got over 60% of our people have now shared that data. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we want to get that obviously much much higher so that we can make sure you know we're very clear from an ethnicity and a gender perspective that all of our promotions um, and progression need to be proportionate um, and it's and I think that that is the kind of main focus now to make sure that people are progressing they're ambitious they rise through the organization to the very um, senior levels um, and we think that does happen so anecdotally and certainly if we look at the profile mm-hmm. of our of our board we're we're very diverse particularly around social background um so that that's a positive start i think we've got some very good role models who've who come from just different backgrounds and bring a different perspective and it's that's helpful i think for people for people to see that we're not all um we're not all the same but for me it's about making sure we continue to gather the data we continue to kind of analyze that data identify the pinch points or the the challenging areas where people aren't progressing through Mm. the organization and make sure we uh we tackle um some of those issues i think that that's one point and i think the whole um topic of remote working you know obviously driven by covid but i think different ways of working are here to stay and i think that's definitely a good thing people will spend um, you know, we, we're talking about a blended model, hybrid model, um, where people spend, I don't know, roughly half of their time at home, half of their time mm-hmm. um, in an office or with clients. Um, but really being thoughtful around um, how does that way of working impact um, any of our minority groups? I mean, I can only imagine how difficult it would have been to join an organisation, you know, as a graduate or school leaver entirely remotely. 
um you know how do you build those networks how do you yes, build yeah. those strengths of relationships who are the sponsors and the mentors and those people mm. i certainly benefited from you know looking out for me taking me under their wing finding me opportunities mm. now none of that is impossible um but we have to be very deliberate and very thoughtful i think in a new world where people are less visible um making sure that people don't fall off of the radar or miss out um, because they're not necessarily there in person all of the time so that whole dynamic um i think there's many lenses to it but there is definitely a social mobility lens that we mustn't forget i think that's absolutely right and what's interested me really over the last few months is we've obviously and quite rightly had a, a massive debate and focus on children and young people missing out on learning at school but I think perhaps what we've talked about a lot less is that wider social development. And I think once people get into their careers, that's hugely important because businesses like PwC are already moving towards this strengths-based recruitment approach. As you said, you've really sort of um, shifted away from a pure academic look at somebody's yeah. um, you know, profile. But I think what it underlines is that development doesn't stop. And certainly, you know, drawing on my own experience, I think when I turned up at PwC in Southampton all those years ago, I was massively um, green, you know, fresh out of university, hadn't really done any work. I'd, I'd worked at Murphy's Engineering Company over the summer in Rotherham, um, processing invoices, but actually had so much more to learn. And I think a lot of that does happen more face-to-face. -face. So probably one of the biggest challenges for those early career people for many companies is going to be how do you plug that, um, that progress that they would have been making on that development when they're, when they're working more remotely. And as you say, a lot of those touch points where you could just ask for advice, you know, you might just be going to get a coffee at the same time or you build up a relationship you know, with one senior manager or whatever, just because you happen to get on with them, but they're then someone you can talk to and have as a mentor. I think all, all of that has to be really thought through if we're going to make sure that, you know, flexible homeworking for, for people who are older is probably, you know, great because they've kind of done a lot of that development. But I think for that younger group, um, early career stage, it's much more important, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, we are amongst you know other things and certainly above other things a training organization we're a learning organization as i said two thousand people coming into the firm every year as their first role and, and actually another two thousand people recruited kind of later on in their career each year so that it, it's very much about building networks and knowledge and in old world it would have been you know pull up a chair alongside somebody that was more experienced see what they were doing it's being immersed in the environment listening to how somebody else answers the phone and talks to a client and all of those skills so it's it's not impossible in a virtual world but it's much harder and it won't just happen so thinking about how we use our office buildings differently in the future um, of course, we have to uh, follow government guidelines at the moment, but it's certainly, you know, we've got people that haven't got, you know, the right physical environment. I have a lovely office to work in at home, so it works well yes. for me, but that's not true of many of our mm. people. There's isolation issues, um, people feeling unsafe in their home environment, all of those kind of, you know, we're a microcosm of, of society and all of those issues that are out there 
are, are part of our world too. So having a safe, secure environment that people can work, you know, from a physical and mental health perspective, I think is really important. But making sure that we don't lose a generation in terms of upskilling, you know, building building that um, business acumen and knowledge um, and the skills outside of the technical development. That bit is easy to give people remotely. We can um, give people technical knowledge, but it's it's all of the glue and building our culture and focusing on appropriate values and behaviours. Much of that needs to be done in an in-person environment. So rather than saying, just come back into the office um, for the sake of being there, I think the future very much looks it's more sophisticated than that it's being clear on where is where is their real value in being located with colleagues and actually where is it perfectly efficient and effective to be um, at home or somewhere other than the office Um, and I think that there's so much benefit um, in thinking about that future of work in a different way that we need to um, cling on to and not all just rush back to how it used to be Um, once we're given the green light I think that would be a missed opportunity really really interesting now i've got two final questions one is almost taking you a little bit back um to going to university because i remember you saying how university really transformed your life and i would say it was exactly the same for me so it completely opened up my horizons um in a way that i think i had no understanding of before I went and it probably it's only as I've got older in a way that I, I realized just what a earthquake it was almost um but a positive one for me I think a lot of young people right now Laura you know feel like maybe their lives on hold you know maybe they're thinking of university next year but not sure I mean it's difficult to sort of know what it's going to be like with remote learning tell us a little bit about your sense of what university meant for you but but kind of looking back on it and and even if it had been perhaps more virtual delivery now how you how you'd have looked at it yeah it's such an interesting question isn't it I and mean, I think as, as I look back now I mean similar to you it really was a, a just a defining moment in my life kind of turning up at, at university and I went to King's College in, in London um, I did a business management degree and that, that was back in 1990, I think. And actually when, so business degrees weren't particularly common back then, very few um, universities offered them. So it was part of a relatively small cohort of UK students had a large overseas contingent. And I think that that profile in its own right made a huge difference just to my perspectives, my horizons, understanding different cultures, different backgrounds. I think I had um being brought up to kind of see things in a very kind of clear-cut way it was you know right or wrong good or bad black and white um but actually the world is far more nuanced than that isn't it and where i might have seen a set of you know circumstances and been really clear that well this is the answer being immersed in a world where there were 10 other people around me who had saw the same set of facts and got to a completely different answer <laughs> was mind-blowing to me that actually <laughs> Um, there are different you know nuances different cultural perspectives Um, we all pick up on different elements and prioritize them to fit fit the the fact pattern that we're expecting so just all of that understanding that there are different um, perspectives sometimes better sometimes just different um, really opened my eyes to I think being curious being interested in the world uh, just wanting to learn um, 
learn facts and knowledge about the world and how things work, but actually learn about people. And I think mm. that was where my passion for people and people development um, and difference and equality really, really came from just, you know, having different people from literally all over the world being thrown together, having to, you know, just the independence at being at university, having to find your own way, build alliances and friendships, um, really gave me that so curiosity and hunger to find out more um, and the perspective that there's nothing is ever as clear cut as you think it is, which I think has been a lesson that has uh, held me in good stead throughout my career. I've definitely found that. And I think obviously you're, you're into your career, um, but you've got a long, a long way ahead of it as well. But looking back to yourself now, if you were talking to Laura back then, maybe, um, what advice do you think you'd give yourself having got all the experience you've had now? I think there's definitely something about being proud to be different. Um, I spent many years in my early career um, just trying to blend in with everybody else. Um, and I had a very different background to, to the vast majority of people. Um, I saw the world as so through different eyes. I had a, just a different learned experience. Um, but I never talked about my background. I never kind of shared anything about myself personally. My, my definition of success would be just blending with everybody else and nobody would ever know that I was different. Um, I just think that's a real shame. And I think the world, the world has moved on now anyway. But I think ultimately it's being proud of who you are. It's having a different opinion and not being afraid to share that opinion. I worried too much around, was that the wrong thing to say? Was that the wrong thing to do? Well, I'll just follow everybody else because that feels safe. What I've learned now, actually, is that you stand out for the better by being different, having an opinion. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't, you know, it, but, but not having, not feeling the pressure to conform, um, I think would have been liberating at the time. But and I think part of that comes with age and experience anyway. Um, but I did spend just too much emotion and time worried about whether I was fitting in and whether it would be obvious that I was different and you know the good old imposter syndrome of you don't really deserve <laughs> to be here and you're going to get found out um, it was many years um, you know I, I still have my moments but it was many years before I, I could really kind of move on from that and be proud um, of who I am and where I've come from. Fantastic well I think that's a good place to end and I think your message is difference good. So, you know, live it, enjoy it and realize that actually it's how, how the world gets better is just people being different, but, but not kind of shying away from that. Laura, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the podcast. Great discussion. I really do hope that a lot of people listening to this will, you know, you know, maybe, maybe you'll have given them a, given them a different sense of PwC as a business but anyway, thank you so much. And um, yes, look forward to working with you on the Social Mobility Pledge on the next stage of PwC's journey on social mobility. So thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. What I think is really crucial with some of the bigger companies that we're working with through the Social Mobility Pledge is their ability to essentially become anchor institutions. And that's exactly what PwC have been able to do with real effect in Bradford. We talked before about the opportunity area in Bradford from a university perspective, and it was really interesting to hear how it works from the business side of things. 
BWC's presence has meant more roles for the skilled people Bradford has, which in turn is drawing in more employers, which can then again generate more opportunity and create a real virtuous circle. Alongside the opportunity area support from PwC, it's genuinely showing how a business can benefit from bringing its opportunities to people in a city with a lot of untapped talent. And it really goes to show how a company's investment in a community can make a big difference and how other companies can then follow them to help level up even further.